Hi, I'm Janet Shield Scott, and you're listening to JanetFitBeautyStyle.com, a lifestyle talk guide with expert advice on beauty, fashion, wellness, real estate, entertainment, and fun celebrity secrets. Hello and welcome to each and every one of you. I'm your host, Janet Shield Scott. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, uh, what's this? We've got we've got dogs in the house today. Settle down, settle down now. <laughs> we'll be we've got even got a pet expert in the house to help us out today. We have veterinarian Deborah Smith, who is also an animal consultant for Elanco, which is a division of Eli Lilly. But before we get to Deborah, our pet expert, let's get to our inspiring messages for today. And these are both on my Instagram page. You don't stop dancing because you grow old. You grow old because you stop dancing. And the next one, morning is God's way of saying one more time, go make a difference. Touch a heart, encourage a mind, inspire a soul, enjoy the day. We'll be right back after this message. And for more inspiring quotes, you can log on to my Facebook page or my Instagram page, JanetFitBeautyStyle.com or JanetShieldScott.com. We'll be right back. Sports fans, PassPros.com has it all. Baseball, basketball, hockey, and soccer. Get autographs and memorabilia direct from former pro athletes. Don't forget to check out the upcoming events page for special events near you. PassPros.com offers t-shirts, athletic gear, artwork, vintage cards. Log on to PassPros.com. Welcome back to JanetFitBeautyStyle.com. I'm your host, Janet Shield Scott. We've got a pet expert in the house today. We have veterinarian Deborah Smith. She's an animal consultant with Elanco, which is a division of Eli Lilly, and she's going to tell us about our pets, whether they're young, old, new, or we just want to get a pet. Hello, Deborah. Well, good morning, Janet. Thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure to be on your show. <laughs> yeah, and it's definitely a pleasure to have you because there's a lot of people out there that have pets and just don't know what to do with them. Sometimes people have had pets for a while and still really don't understand what's going on with their pets. So I'm glad that you're here to, to answer some of these questions. Uh, first, let's get to uh, our first question. What should uh, people do when they're thinking about getting a pet? So what should, should they have some type of special preparation in getting ready for a pet, whether it's a, a cat or a dog or a fish or whatever? Absolutely, and that's a great question. So um, several steps are needed or should be thought out um, prior to obtaining a pet. Um, a pet is basically an investment. Uh, we need to remember that, and you need to think about your lifestyle as well as your family dynamics, your home, um, and all of those different factors uh, when you're um, thinking about investing in a pet, in a pet, whether it be a dog or a cat. Okay. Uh, some examples include uh, the size of the pet. Um, are you looking at maybe having a toy breed that's going to be cuddling up on the couch with you? 
or are you looking at having a giant breed dog that's going to need a large yard uh, to roam around and a lot of exercise? Um, are you going to be looking at a dog that sheds a lot that's going to require frequent grooming or a dog that's not a shedder? Um, those are just some factors to, to keep in mind. Um, other things also include, you know, based on the size of the pet, uh, considering the, the economics of the food and how much it's going to cost uh, to feed that dog um, or cat. And additionally, um, the amount of time that you're going to be able to spend um, with that pet, which is essential. Um, some people work several hours a day, so you have to consider what the dog is going to do while you are away from home. Or would you um, actually look into taking the dog to doggy daycare or um, having a pet sitter or something along those lines uh, while you're away from the home, even uh, with respect to working or even traveling? So there's a lot of factors to take into consideration uh, prior to obtaining a pet. Okay, and you mentioned shedding. So the, uh, the shedding of the hair, that will go for both dog and cats? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, and some dogs uh, tend to shed a little bit less than others. Um, I know in my experience, you're, you're some of the smaller breed dogs like uh, the Poodles, the Shih Tzus, those types of breeds of dogs, lots of Opsos, tend to shed a lot less than, say, for example, your Labrador Retrievers, your Golden Retrievers, and your German Shepherds. So you have to think about that in terms of, you know, are there any uh, family members that may have potential allergies? Um, in the household, as well as the, the housekeeping uh, factor as well. Uh, okay, and speaking of costly, uh, would uh, is a dog more costly than a cat, or is it about the same? Yeah, very good question. So uh, in terms of finances, I would, would definitely say that dogs uh, would be more expensive than the cats. Uh, reason being, if you think about um, the amount of food that they're eating, um, that certainly is going to play a factor depending on the type of breed of dog that you have. Um, say, for example, a poodle or a Maltese or Yorkie, those types of dogs are going to be going uh, to the grooming parlor more frequently for baths and trims and so forth, um, whereas you're not going to be... Um, likely to take a cat to a uh, grooming parlor for grooming. Um, they usually do a really good job of grooming themselves. So food, um, the amount of food that they're eating, uh, the grooming behaviors, um, that certainly could play a factor, and um, the dogs would definitely be more expensive in terms of upkeep than a cat would. And then you have to also trim their nails, don't you, cats and dogs, or no? Yes, yes. So nail trims are very important, not only for um, the safety of the family members, but also for the general health of the dogs. So if the nails are overgrown, they actually can grow into the nail beds and actually cause, excuse me, into the paw pads and actually cause a lot of pain and discomfort. Um, you imagine when our nails get too long, especially our toenails, in particular, you know how uncomfortable it can be if you're wearing a pair of shoes. Um, with respect to the cats, definitely nail trims are uh, recommended for the kitties on a regular basis. Um, they also have something that is um, like a cap that you can actually place 
on the tips of the, on the nails of the cats to lessen the risk of them doing damage in the household. Mm. And that would be an alternative to actually having your cats declawed. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Hmm. That's why we have you on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm I'm happy to share information with you. Yes. Okay. Now, I have another question from a Facebook user. Uh, Her pet won't stop licking her. She said she's so tired of her pet licking. She just keeps licking. She says it's not just one or two or three licks. It's like constantly licking. What do you have to say about that? That's a very good question. So um, one of the things that I would wonder is um, how the dog was not necessarily raised, but um, whether the dog was taken from its mom at a very early age. And this is some form of attachment for that particular dog um, as a sign of affection and just uh, a source of neediness. Um, I can't think of at least off the top of my head, I can't think of a, a specific a specific solution. So we might need to, to table that question and come back to it. Mm, okay. Could it also be to maybe a scent or something? Uh, it very well could be due to the, a scent that could potentially um, be on the, the animal owner. I don't know if it could be mm-hmm. a fragrance, uh, if it could be just the oils. Um, that the owner gives off, um, mm-hmm. as like I said, as well as uh, an attachment. Okay, and, now, and she said that she was told that there are uh, some type of solutions that you can buy in the store that keep them from licking. Would you suggest that? So the, the to, to apply to herself? Uh, yeah, I, was, I would assume, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not familiar mm-hmm. with the product that she would apply to herself or to, um, anything to deter else? the licking. Yeah, or the maybe the furniture. No. <laughs> now, certainly in terms of furniture, um, there may be products in the store that she could research in terms of applying to the furniture, but you need to be very careful in terms of uh, potential of staining the furniture. So um, that is something she would have to do some research on. And uh, Okay, and then the next question is, how do you know if your pet has allergies? And that's a very good question. So allergies are very, uh, very common in dogs uh, as well as cats. And there's a myriad of causes of allergies. Um, So the allergies could be due to the environment. So it could be due to the weeds, uh, the various trees and grasses in the environment. Um, these guys, believe it or not, can be allergic to house dust mites. Um, they could be allergic to fleas. Um, they could be allergic to medications and, and various things in the environment. Um, usually the most common signs or symptoms of an allergic dog is one that's very itchy. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, they may um, chew at their feet a lot. Um, They uh, may lick at their rear end a lot or or drag their rear end very frequently. Um, They may have recurrent ear infections, um, possibly even sores or scabs on the skin. Um, And what I found in practice, uh, food was the most common factor 
um, was one of the most common factors, I should say, as well as uh, fleas, so being allergic to flea bites. So a couple of things, if you suspect that your dog may potentially have allergies, I would highly advise an appointment with a veterinarian for an evaluation. They may uh, do various skin tests, basically to rule out any type of mites um, that might be on the skin that could be causing the, the itchiness. Um, they may even recommend a trial course of a flea control to make sure that there are no fleas on the dog um, and maintain the dog on that flea control for a certain amount of time. Um, they may even also recommend what's called a food trial. And so in that food trial, they may try the dog on what's called a novel protein diet, meaning something he hasn't been exposed to in the past, and that's most commonly um, going to be rabbit, um, duck, fish, um, maybe even venison, um, those types of protein-based diets that are not in your typical commercial dog foods. And so they may do a diet trial for about a month or perhaps even longer to see how the dog responds and then um, discuss maybe reintroducing their former diet to see if the signs recur. Um, if the signs are persisting despite doing all of those basic steps, the veterinarian may recommend an actual referral to a specialist. So we actually have veterinary dermatologists that actually can perform skin testing to determine what the dog may potentially be allergic to and then actually formulate injections or allergy injections to help sensitize that dog um, to whatever the allergy is. Yeah, and then now I have this person that asked this question said that their veterinarian, they didn't know what the allergy was, so they just prescribed a medication. And she said the medication is very costly. She has to take it um, every day, so she buys it once a month. So what do you think about just prescribing a medication if you don't know what the allergy is? Well, and that, that can be a challenge. So um, it depends on a lot of factors. So one, with allergies, they can be frustrating to treat because they can recur. Um, some allergies are seasonal in nature, meaning they occur at certain times of the year. Sometimes they may get to a point where they progress throughout the year and they persist throughout the year, I guess is what I should say. Um, so it can be costly where the animal owners are repeatedly returning to the clinic for, to treat whatever the clinical signs or the symptoms are. So sometimes looking at the broader picture and making the investment in doing the diagnostic test or actually considering a referral to a veterinary specialist, um, i.e. a dermatologist that can actually do the testing, that may end up being more economical in the long run. So okay. it may be more expensive at the beginning but it may be more economical in actually determining exactly what the dog is allergic to, and then you can control um, the exposure rather than preventing it. Um, the drawback is with just a blanket approach is if we're just treating a blanket approach with um, one type of medication, we may not be um, effectively addressing what the dog is allergic to. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking, too. Uh, very good. I like that. Uh, let's uh, also there. There was another question uh, 
about allergies in terms of people. Is there such a thing as an allergy-free pet for people that have allergies against um, pets? Yeah, so very good question. I don't know if there's an actual allergy-free dog, but they're got you know, uh, and it kind of alludes back to what we talked about earlier in terms of oftentimes people are allergic to the dander um, that's released from the skin or even the fur from the dog. So maybe looking at dogs that are going to have a less uh, tendency to shed in the environment. Um, that may be more amenable to to people um, that have um, a history of allergies. Um, mm -hmm. I know um, there were certain things, medications that I used um, in practice. Um, at looking back on it now, it probably would be considered um, off-label. It wasn't specifically labeled for that indication to try to, to control allergies um, that uh, the animal owner may potentially experience from having contact um, with the, the particular patient. So I would refer them to their to their veterinarian. I don't want to give out any specific medical advice since I haven't actually examined um, the pets um, that may be in question. Mm -hmm. But certainly, um, you know, discussing it with a veterinarian. Um, and also good, good housekeeping, cleaning up the areas wherever the dogs or, or the cats may reside on a regular basis and frequent hand washing because oftentimes we'll touch our face with our hands and that may may trigger um, allergies as well. Mm, okay, I guess maybe that would go to even dogs licking your face then. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, And I've had uh, my share of, of dogs that have licked my face in, in practice and then, then I may have developed a little rash or something something on my face afterwards. So, so usually, it, it, you know, it, it happens um, in practice. It happens at home. Um, you may need to have, like, some, some wet ones or some wipes or something available where you could uh, wipe your hands or wipe your face or something along those lines to lessen the risk. All right. Now, this next question, uh, again, is from another Facebook user. Is it normal for some dogs to have an offensive or terrible odor? Um, very good question. So dogs are going to have a, 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 a slight smell, just like people, people will, and it's going to be the, no, the oil no, from no. the yeah. can be, yeah, no, you know, this dog, No, this dog really has an odor. Okay. So if it's, if it's that severe or that offensive, I would say no. That's not normal, and I would definitely recommend the dog be evaluated by a veterinarian. So uh, when you think, when, when I think of dogs that have a really offensive odor, several things come to mind. Uh, first and foremost, um, ear infections. Um, I don't know if this could be a dog with floppy ears, and so um, the owners may not be looking down in the ears, and if he may potentially have an ear infection, that can be very malodorous. Um, the other things that come to mind are uh, possible allergies or a skin infection, um, like a bacterial or a fungal infection that's on the skin that's causing the, the dog to have an odor. Um, dental disease, certainly, um, first and foremost, um, these guys could have really bad teeth, 
which can eventually result in gingivitis and periodontal disease. That can certainly cause a bad odor in dogs. And something else that comes to mind are um, two glands that are um, in, the, in the anus um, that are called anal glands, and those have a very offensive odor. And normally those glands would express when the dogs are having a bowel movement. So it's normal uh, for the material to come out, and it's possible um, that it could get on the fur or around the rectum, and that can cause a very offensive odor as well. So if a dog has, uh, if the odor is that offensive as you described, um, definitely evaluation by a veterinarian uh, would be warranted to try to determine where where the odor is coming from so that yeah. it can be appropriately addressed. Yeah, because when the dog walks into the room, it's just like, whoa. <laughs> yes. So those would be the things. And if this is something that's ongoing, uh, the ears, the mouth, and the skin, those would be the first things that I would look at. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let's see. Oh, now here, because this was actually what prompted this podcast, is what should we feed our dogs? I remember talking to you and you were giving me some information about foods that I never thought would be, uh, that would be detrimental to dogs or animals, uh, or cats, rather. I don't count myself as a nutritionist. Um, but um, certainly nutrition is going to be very important for the dog. It depends on the, the various stages. So are we, uh, are we dealing with a puppy uh, mm-hmm. where obviously it should be on a well-balanced puppy food? Are we dealing with an adult dog or are we dealing with a geriatric dog, meaning a senior dog where it should be on a senior diet? Um, it also depends on whether or not the dog has any type of medical conditions. So if we have dogs that have a history of arthritis, there are actually uh, diets that have uh, joint support um, benefits or different medications in it to help uh, stabilize the joints. Um, there are also uh, prescription diets for dogs that may have kidney disease or heart disease or bladder stones, um, or skin allergies. So there are all different types of diets um, that are available on the market. And so that is uh, where uh, conversation with uh, the veterinarian would come into play in terms of putting your heads together and determining what is the best uh, diet for that particular dog or cat. Um, Some things that they should avoid uh, that can be toxic uh, most commonly are going to be raisins or grapes, um, though ingestion of those could potentially result in kidney failure. Um, chocolate should be avoided as well. Um, it can cause hyperactivity. Um, even higher amounts could result in neurologic signs like seizures. Um, onions is another thing that comes to mind. Um, exposures to onions can potentially cause an anemia. In, in dogs, um, as well as uh, macadamia nuts. Um, those should be avoided, as well as tomatoes. So um, if you're thinking about giving any snacks uh, from the table, I would advise you to speak to your veterinarian about it. Um, some things that would be bland and easy for them to digest, believe it or not, would be like green beans or carrot sticks. 
something easy like that or slice of apple. Um, but in terms of formulating or deciding upon a specific diet, would be best to, to follow up with um, your veterinarian. What about things like ice cream and cake, things with sugar in it? Um, that would be best avoided. Do pets actually get angry and want revenge if they, just say, for instance, one lady said that she has to leave the television on for her dog, and if she doesn't, they tend to poop in the room. <laughs> she doesn't do it. <laughs> That's very unfortunate. I'm sorry to hear about that. And that that is a very common question that we actually receive. And, and no, these guys do not um, get mad at us and, you know, want to be vindictive and, and, and destroy, destroy the house or, you know, urinate or poop someplace, you know, as a way of payback. Um, oftentimes what's going on with these guys is something that is called uh, separation anxiety where they can become nervous and upset uh, once the owners leave the house. Um, this would be a good uh, discussion to have with a veterinarian um, where they could talk about uh, behavior modification techniques um, that they could try with the dog to try to limit um, the anxiety that he may exhibit uh, when the owner leaves the house. Certainly playing the TV or um, turning on music um, that certainly is a good factor, uh, a good consideration. Um, some dogs may warrant having uh, a medication in conjunction with the training to try to curb it. Um, some owners may want to try to switch up their schedule. So if they normally grab their keys, their briefcase, they leave out the front door, um, the dog starts to see that certain, that certain habit and starts to get anxious right before they leave. They can try to switch it up a little bit where they drive around the corner, or maybe go to the corner and come right back okay. and greet the dog and then start doing, you know, just to, to throw the dog off in mm -hmm. terms of so he's not seeing and detecting that pattern. Maybe go out the back door instead of going out the front door. Different things like that may be, um, may be um, beneficial in terms of trying to break that behavior. But that certainly would be a good one to discuss with the veterinarian. They may even recommend blood work to make sure that there isn't something else going on internally that could be causing the problem. And then they may also recommend um, medications to help try to alter the behavior. But bear in mind, it has to be in conjunction with um, behavior modification or training in order for it to be very effective. Okay, all right. And then just one last quick question. What uh, is the biggest mistake that you see pet owners make? I guess a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, one one thing is is feeding from the table. So that, that, that is something that we would highly discourage. There are commercial dog foods and cat foods specifically um, for the pet. It tends to to make them um, very finicky and picky and not want to eat their own dog foods. Um, it may lead to obesity, um, and uh, it's just not healthy and a well-balanced diet. Um, another thing that comes to mind is, and this is not in all, all dogs, um, certainly not, but occasionally we will have owners that may uh, place a collar on the dog's neck, um, you know, used for walking, walking the dog, or used for identification pro uh, 
purposes and uh, the dog outgrows the collar unbeknownst to the owner and then they may develop an odor and they're not the owners aren't sure what's going on and then the collar has actually grown into the neck and causes severe skin irritation uh, warranting um, you know heavy sedation and uh, surgical removal of the collar and then cleaning up the wound so that is something we see um and I saw it quite a bit um, in practice. So making sure to check the collar and making sure you can get at least one or two fingers underneath the collar to make sure that it's not too tight um, okay. on the dog All uh, right. is well, something that I would advise. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to say Dr. Deborah Smith, <laughs> veterinarian. Well, thank you, Janet, for having me has been a blessing. Whoa, who let the dogs out? You've been listening to JanetTheBeautyStyle.com, a Janet Shield Scott podcast, your beauty, entertainment, and lifestyle expert talk guide. I'm Janet Shield Scott, columnist, radio, and TV host. You can like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, oh, and YouTube. For more fun and informative yes and celebrity interviews, log on to the website JanetFitBeautyStyle.com. Remember to love, laugh, and live your life with style. As we end this, let's take a moment to relax. Take a deep breath. Inhale and exhale. Again, inhale and exhale. As you go throughout the day, stop and take a pause. Chill and relax. Please keep in mind that all things which are impossible with man are possible with God.